You're listening to Rocket Night. This is Sharice with Rocket Night Magazine, and today I am speaking with Tosh Petru of the band Casual Wednesday. I had the pleasure of seeing her in August at the New Cross Inn in London. There was a special night where they had all sorts of punk bands and particularly feminist bands, and I saw her. I liked her music, and she describes her music as indie dream rock reminiscent of bands like Paramore and Always. So let's get to know you, Tosh. Casual Wednesday. How did you come up with a name? Um, I was in the pub with some friends and it was a Wednesday and we were trying to come up with some good names. A friend had just bought some products from Lush. It's like a kind of a bar for body work store. Um, and the first name we came up with was Lushbox, but we thought that was a little bit too on the nose, possibly a little bit suggestive. Um, but as it was a Wednesday, one of my friends was like, how about casual Wednesday? It's always a casual Friday, but why not Wednesdays? Um, and we, we thought it was really funny, but we just kept saying it. And about half an hour later, we just kind of looked at each other and was like, that's actually quite catchy, isn't it? Let's go with that. So I said to him, do you mind if I nick that, mate? And he was like, yeah, go for it. And there it was it was born it kind of rolls off the tongue and it's easy to remember too uh, i think that's, a hum- that's what I'm gonna- hum- hump day <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's actually what i nicknamed my band um uh at one point they were all boys so i was casual wednesday in the hump day boys and it's i feel like that's got a bit of a ring to it as well very very cute uh, you st- you've been into music for a while, but it looks like you really got the band off the ground during COVID. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, it's quite an interesting story. I've been writing music since I was tiny, maybe eight years old, but I never thought it would be something I could do with my life. Um, and then I had a freak accident while playing roller derby and I broke four bones out of nowhere and had to go on a lot of painkillers to manage the pain and in that state of um transcendence I guess on all of these different tablets um that's when the song visions came to me and I put it online just to show my friends and family and out of the blue a promoter picked it up and offered me a gig and it was the most insane moment of my life because it suddenly unlocked this door that I never thought would ever be possible for me and before I knew it, I was gigging and asking friends, do you play guitar, please? Will you come on stage with me? Do you know someone who drums? I need to find a bassist. And I was very, very lucky that a lot of very good friends of mine came out of the woodwork to support me in that and join me on stage. Out of a tragedy came creativity. It did, because I was actually really dedicated to starting a career in roller derby. So 
when that came all crashing down, I thought, well, that's it. That's a whole chunk of my personality gone. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now, apart from sit at a desk. And I could never have imagined that a music career would have come out of it. Is roller derby popular over there? Um, it is in pockets. There's two teams in London um, and it is definitely on the rise. But um, I got into it from watching the film Whip It, which I think was a lot more popular in America. Drew, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, her directional debut, and it, um, I, I watched that. It took me ten years between watching that film to get the courage to actually join the team. But um, that was that was where I got it from. So really, all of this is Drew Barrymore's fault. Good for her. I love Drew anyway. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love her. So you started. You had all this music already written, and then you kind of got friends together. And did they help you write it too? How did the songs come into formation? Um, no, so I, I write everything and I arrange everything um, and produce most things as well. Um, but I just, if I could play all of the instruments, I would, but I can't. I don't have enough arms, unfortunately. So I, they, they will join me on stage and play on stage. Um, but no, I just kind of, I, I write it myself. I, I'll almost hear like all of the parts at one time. And I have to, it's almost like a set of sheet music I can see every single part and it's in a, I'm up against the clock to get it all recorded down before I forget one of the lines um and then they kind of just flow from there really do you use garage band or different programs to kind of compile all your thoughts and stuff yeah. like that? I do use garage band and I actually started off um using you know the game SingStar it would give you a little plug-in microphone that you no. could plug into like your PlayStation or Xbox not, so not familiar with USB it <laughs> I'm a little bit it older was <laughs> it was like a, it was like a karaoke game for PlayStation oh, okay. and, I, and I used to record using that microphone that was how low tech my setup was so yeah it was like a free copy of GarageBand this little microphone from a game console I was going to ask you about your uh, EP Visions. Did you record that yourself? The quality sounds pretty good. Thank you. Um, I recorded most of it myself. I got some help on the bass and drums. Um, so my friend Spike recorded the bass for me. And then my friend Maxi um, recorded the drums. And they really helped transform some of the tracks for me, especially Sunset Over Dagenham. A lot of the energy you hear, that's a lot of Maxi's influence in that um so they I, I recorded some of it in a local studio um I, I really tried to kind of push it a bit because it, it really felt like it was going to be something quite significant for me if if not anyone else but for me so I wanted to give it as much justice as possible and do it properly I'll tell you my favorite song that's been in my head all week it's it's visions thank you I feel I, like that's the end absolutely love it I mean I that is one that could definitely be played on the radio. I think it's that good. Well, I wrote down um, really pretty melody, kind of psych rock, kind of has that kind of psych, not really stoner rock, but kind of a psych feeling. The ending is great with all the distortion and the guitars and stuff. I mean, it just sets off with a bang, but that song is fantastic. Thank you. 
that was that was the one that started it all that was the one that I wrote while I was on the four types of painkillers which probably makes a lot of sense with your description well because of the psychedelic <laughs> if you're on yeah, Vicodin I'm, or whatever yeah <laughs> I was I was dreaming sideways for like two weeks um it was a really strange time for me like I I was almost hallucinating during the day because I was on so much medication so I it just the idea came to me and I had to prop my guitar up on my my leg cast to try and like balance it and I just I had to go for it it's like being on peyote or something kind of yeah you're right it is kind of a psych thing whatever happened it it's fantastic the first song visions I love it's it's really good and uh, there's the other one I really like, of course, is the punk one, Sunset, Sunset Over Dagenham. Yeah. Tell me about that song and how that came into being. Absolutely. I was, um, so I live in a very tiny, insignificant little suburban town that is lost its identity somewhere between Essex and East London. Um, and it's called Hainal. And there's a hill in Hainal in one of the estates. And in the distance, you can literally see the sun setting over the Dagenham industrial estates. Um, and Dagenham is quite like, again, it's quite an industrial Essex area. Um, it's where the Ford factory was. There was like a big feminist movement there as well with all the women, like it's becoming mechanics. Um, and I honestly, I was on the hill. I was with friends. I was wine drunk. And one of them wistfully turned around and said something about look at the sun setting over Dagenham and in my state of I think I was about four cups of wine in because we had paper cups we weren't very classy up there um, and I just went oh that could be a song and then I started writing it down it came to me at the time it just felt like a really big joke like in the, one of the lines I'm rhyming the word bimbo with a kimbo and it and it, at first it was just going to be a little parody one to surround to my friends, but I was like, hang about, this has got legs. I need to like give this a bit of a turn it into something. And it now is like the the crowning jewel of of every show that I play. Everyone goes nuts at the end of it. It's it's great, and and it's very punk. It's very alt rock, but the melody itself is very pretty too. You have a good voice. I like it. It really lends itself well to the jangly guitars and the the sound that you have. Thank you so much. Um, I was classically trained um, at school, so I I sang opera for quite a while and did quite the big jump from opera to kind of indie punk, I guess. Well, that is quite a jump too from opera, but yeah. your, your voice is very, very pretty. And I think I read someplace or saw that you, you studied English. Is that correct? Uh, I did English language at university. So you obviously like to write lyrics and I'm sure there's a lot of metaphors and hidden meanings. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, especially with that one it was quite um a bit of social commentary on there's quite a big stereotype in Essex of especially with the girls like you know it's done things have like quite a young family and for the girls to sometimes not have ambition and for the men just to get their big job in the city and put their suit on and it's all quite monotonous and and some because it is partly true but also it isn't because I think for me Essex girls are some of the most um vivacious ferocious women you'll ever meet and they can do and they do anything they want to which is brilliant so I was I was trying to kind of play on that a little bit 
but in a bit of a jokey way because Essex is also quite funny everyone's always joking about so I just wanted to represent that they're always the butt of the jokes I noticed that I what is with that I have a friend that used to talk about the Essex facelift yeah yeah so that's a real thing where the girls pull their hair up it into is, a tight literally. ponytail to pull the wrinkles yeah. up I mean that that is hysterical yeah, it's the Essex facelift. It's the hoop earrings as well, the tan, the the tight clothing. That, but they are very glam women. There's like no women out there that can glam like an Essex girl. If you want to go on a night out and have a good one, like get so, an Essex girl with you. Kind of like our Valley Girls that we had here in America in the eighties, I guess. I, California Valley Girls. It's giving a bit more like Jersey Shore, I'd say. Oh, gotcha. Jersey Shore of the UK. Gotcha. So that I, I get yeah. the drift. <laughs> when you said Jersey Shore, that says it all. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, you know, we're snooky. We never have a bit of hair out of place until the end of the night and that all of the hair's out of place. It's very much that kind of vibe in Essex. I'm glad somebody explained that to me because I wondered about all that. I keep hearing all this Essex, this and that. Finally, I know. Uh, another yeah. nice song, Belly of the Beast. That's real catchy. Totally. The melody and Thank the chorus, you. very, very catchy. Kind of dreamy feel, you know. <laughs> I, I hope I'm interpreting the songs like they're supposed to be or whatever. I, I may... No, feeling the vibe are, am i so. feeling the vibe <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. going for like dream rock in general it's somewhere like the kind of the the what's the word i want to like you know how it's quite pop punky like from paramore and stuff like that yes but then you've got like, bush who's a bit all over the place and she's very like kind of wistful and whimsical so i, I guess paramore with whimsy that's yeah, the kind it, of dream and that's where the dreamy kind of psych rock thing comes in. It's kind of yeah. like, ooh, you know, yeah, I, I I like it a lot. And it's, like I said, I've been playing it in the car all week. So. <laughs> it's honestly so mad to me. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> so if you see a lot of uh, spins on Spotify, it's me <laughs> here in Florida. A compromise, <laughs> really heavy guitars in there. That's more of a heavy song. Yeah, it's about heavy drinking. So I was trying to show that a little bit. Um, that was very much inspired by every time like I go on a night out. Not so much now. I'm growing up and learning from my mistakes. But you get that little bit of social anxiety. And the first thing you think is to knock back some drinks because that will get rid of it. Um, and then you keep going and you don't know where to stop. But it gets to that point in the night where it just feels a bit uncomfortable and it doesn't feel good anymore. And especially the next day when you get like the beer fear, it really doesn't feel good then either. So, uh, yeah, I guess that one is a bit heavier because it's that heavy feeling that sits on your chest the next day. The hangover. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the band that I saw in August, you you currently have different people now. Who are Who's in your band right um, now? Yeah, so at the moment, I've got my friend Cam on guitar, my friend Lucas on bass, um, and Jack on drums. So they're my, my most regular members of the band. Um, occasionally, if there's like other other things come up, like a few of them are in other bands as well, then um, 
I've got like a network of friends, so I'll get kind of sub in people here and there who know the songs. That brings me to my next question. The scene in London, there's a lot of venues and a lot of musicians. Uh, tell me about the competition there. Uh, what's it like being a musician over there? It's a bit of a difficult one. There's kind of, you kind of fit into two camps. When you first start out, there's a few organizations that will get you to play gigs straight away. So it'll make you feel like you're doing really well. Um, but they will often extort like your naivety and extort your earnings as well. And you suddenly feel like a very small fish in a very, very big pond. But on the side of that, there's also a lot of communities that are starting to pop up within music so there's like one promoter I work with called Half Numb he's really curated a bit of a community with a lot of the local London bands and you will get to know each other and you start to work with each other support each other on your other shows um, and there's also a really nice community of like queer musicians as well that I've started working with a little bit more and we're all like very protective of each other in that we all want to make sure that we've all got the right knowledge and the right skill and the right know-how. So if we go into a situation, we know that if something's not right or if we need to change something and how to stick up for ourselves and stuff like that really helps because that you might end up doing less gigs, but the gigs you do are of really great quality because you're with people that are very dedicated to keeping the spirit of it alive there as opposed to just using it as a cash cow. So it sounds like it's very nurturing. If you're in with the right people, you all kind of help each other and look out for each other and warn each other who not to play with and where not to go. And yeah. stuff like that. that's more important. What not to do is more than what to do. Definitely, especially if you don't have like a, a performing or music background. Um, I me learning how to sing opera was only ever going to get me so far when it comes to like navigating rock clubs. So I came into this with very little knowledge and my friends have really boosted that for me. I do a lot of um, visits and I deal with a lot of bands in Detroit and up there they do a lot of, I hate to say it's called pay to play. Do they do that's, that there? Yeah, that's that's, that's I bad. I yeah. mean, talk about demoralizing, but if it's the only way for you to get heard or noticed, what are you supposed to do? This is it. I think if you if you are able to make as many friends as possible as you go around, like be as nice as possible to the other bands you meet. And as soon as you see your break, take it. Like as soon as there is a gap for you to get out, run and just don't look back and get yourself into the different scenes and the different groups because it there are there are alternatives out there <laughs> there is hope that it just has to be searched out a little bit well i did i did see a video that you played at the o2 islington that's a pretty big venue yeah that was an incredible show um that was supporting republica there was a festival and republica were headlining it them. oh my goodness wow. I know, holy cow <laughs> um and i got to headline the um the second room um which was great um that was another one of those pay-to-play gigs. So I, I didn't, for all of the work and the effort that went in, I didn't see that much money coming out of it. But I, to be honest, I don't really mind for that one because that was probably one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Um, you, you got exposure and you got to be seen, which is really important. Yeah. And it was the most incredible crowd. 
I had released Sunset Over Dagenham on SoundCloud, not even Spotify, about four days earlier. And the crowd was singing it back to me, which I did not think would be possible. It was probably the biggest amount of euphoria I've ever felt in my life, having a full crowd in a big venue like that, and they are all singing my lyrics. Absolutely mad. Wow, that's that's fantastic because yeah, I've I've shot um I've reviewed stuff there, I've shot photos there at the O2 Islington and it's a big big place. And I when I saw you were there, I thought, whoa, that's that's coming up in the world. <laughs> that's a good place. Yeah, definitely. Are you are you writing new music now? What are you up to these days? Yes, I um I've got four songs that I'm hoping are gonna come out um at the end of this year. And in the beginning, like periodically, the next few months, um, this is the only issue with with juggling this rock star life with a nine to five and trying to move house and trying to navigate all of the other turmoils that life likes to throw you away. Um, so it has been delayed a little bit, but I have got four songs. One of them's got a music video. There's two other music videos planned. Um, I am taking my time with it, but it's because I want to get it right and I want to be as thorough as possible and do the best job I can with it. But I'm really excited for them to come out. I think I saw on Instagram, there was a video of you on like a little horse or something. Is, is that <laughs> like a little kid's horse? It was hysterically funny. I'm, was, I, tell me about that. <laughs> so that's a song coming out called Blind Spot Over the Crucifix. So that was actually an exercise bike. With what a, a title. Head. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, but that was from a funny one as well because my friend was driving me home and I was trying to point out a really pretty church that was in front of us um, and she's like I can't see it babe I can't see it and I was like it's just right in front of us and she just turned to me and went the crucifix just must be in my blind spot and I luckily we were about two minutes away from home I said to her you need to take me home right now a song idea is coming I have to write it down this second I cannot lose it um, and it's turned into one of my favourite songs to play live and another one that gets a good sing-along so I, inspiration can just strike at any time, literally. What a story. It, it, I'm looking forward to seeing that video. It looks like it's going to be pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so coming, geez, we're almost towards the end of the year, 2024. Do you plan to play at any festivals next summer? That's usually your festival season. Yeah. I'd love to play some festivals if any festivals would like to have me. Um, I'll be there ready and willing to go. That'd be really you good. kind of like promote yourself into the punk realm or more alt indie or feminist queer? I mean, what? how are you marketing yourself? A bit more alternative indie and definitely feminist queer. I think that's a new thing for me as well because I, I didn't lean into it so much before. I think I was a little bit nervous to do that because that's obviously quite a distinctive way to promote yourself but in doing that I've then found the musicians that align with me better so I think that's definitely the way I'm going to keep going well I look forward to hearing more music from you and the band any uh gigs coming up that we need to know about we can put the word out for you I've got a gig on Monday that's coming up and oh. that's going to be at the Star in Shoreditch um I've got a gig on the 11th, which I think is going to be at Temple of Arts and Music. Um, and then another one on the 21st of December. Um, 
And then I have a very exciting gig coming up next year in February. I think it's February 20th, which is going to be at the Hope and Anchor, which I'm really looking forward to um, because that's with um, an organisation called Loud Women who work in the UK and the US to promote um, kind of female and queer punk and indie music. So I'm excited to be playing that gig. Excellent. Is there anything that you would want people to know about you or the band that we should get out there before we say goodbye? Because time's almost out. So, um, I would just say every little helps when it comes to streaming and sharing because it's tough out here and there are a lot of sharks. I'm just a, a baby little fish that's swimming about making her silly little songs. Um, but I guess if you are someone that daydreams a lot and feels a little bit lost, um, and you were probably a bit of an emo kid back in the day. Maybe you even had a Twilight obsession. Maybe you still have one. I don't know. But mm. if that's you, then you will probably like my music. And I'd love for you to find it and to connect with it and connect with me through it. Well said. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, getting to know you a little bit better. And we're definitely going to be following you as you put out new music. Let me know about it. So. We'll get it. We'll help you and get it out there. We definitely promote female artists. Yeah, I'm a feminist, so we want to be able to help women get their work out there too. Just to let you know, because there's a lot of competition, and if we can do anything, we will. That is so lovely. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been great. All right. Well. See you later and uh, keep in touch. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you so much. I'll speak okay. to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Here is Casual Wednesday with Visions.
You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com. 